0: tell you a wee bit of story but I want to just say um and I'm not just saying this because Angela said nice things Lyndon and Angela are gold I don't know I'm sure you realize that but we love those guys and um they are our biggest supporters very good close friends they're some of the first people I ring up if I want to get wisdom or advice Lyndon's on our board um um, Angela helps with an enormous amount of administration a whole lot of other things they, they just are a massive support not just with your church but with all of our churches up and down the nation and they are some of the people I trust the most and so they're a wonderful team and, and you are blessed and I just feel right at home just being here today I see lots of friends at Hathaway's over here can I just say um, Neil and Liz Reed have been friends of our family for decades and it's with great grief that uh, dear Neil passed away and I'd lovely to catch up with Liz and I see some of your families here today but you know there are there are friends uh here uh Brent and Selena have been been becoming great friends of ours as well and there are many others of you that I know too but I just feel as though I'm amongst family But I want to tell you a little bit about why this is such a miracle in so many ways. I don't know whether you realize this, but you are all the mother. Do you realize that? This is the mothership of the vineyard. I don't know whether you know this, but this was the very first vineyard church planted in New Zealand 34 years ago, I understand. And you may not know this, but you've got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of babies Seriously. I mean, you look around here and think, oh gee, we've done well over 34 years. You've got babies everywhere. You, you lot have been reproducing and you haven't even known it. Do you know there are 27 vineyard churches around New Zealand? There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that go to vineyard churches all up and down around New Zealand. But also, uh, we have planted churches overseas, there are missions. There are, do you realise there are millions of dollars that go into local and overseas mission every year? And it all started here. That's where the seed started. You are the mothership. And, and uh, everything that started, started here in Maharangi and has gone out. So this is a, a wonderful legacy that, that you guys have. And you might think to yourself, oh, wow, you know, sort of, we feel sort of a bit, we're just us, we're just family. But when you join together as a team, when you put your gifts and talents and abilities together and say, let's do something for God, you can achieve fantastic miracles. And I want to talk about why this is uh, an incredible miracle today in a whole lot of ways. I want to thank Gary uh, for coming today from the Presbyterian Church, and I've forgotten your wife's name, but Bronnie. Thank you for coming. Do you know, I feel, another reason I feel right at home is I'm a Presbyterian. My dad was a Presbyterian minister for 70 years. And his dad was a Presbyterian before him. And my dad and my granddad used to plant Presbyterian churches. And um, I look at my granddad's diaries. He used to go out on horseback from Martinborough. And he would travel for two hours to a little community center in a long Maori name that I can't even pronounce to start a church and someday days would his diary only one person turned up I rode on my horse for two hours it poured with rain one person was there I have to help myself not get discouraged so I come from a line of Presbyterians um, that have planted a lot of churches and do you know something that really saddens my heart We do a lot of traveling around the country. We have a caravan, and it saddens me every time I see a Presbyterian or an Anglican or a Methodist or some other church that's closed. And the sign's been taken down or it's been turned into a cafe or whatever because I just think of the sacrifice that went in. You know, my ancestors came out from the north of Scotland, good Presbyterians, and they put everything into planting these churches. And they sacrificed so much. Because they had a vision that there would be a worshipping community. And you go around the South Island, there's a Presbyterian church on virtually every corner. You know, virtually at the end of every paddock, there's another Presbyterian church. When my dad started out, he had two little churches, Herbert and Hamden, together in um, Otago. And they're just in tiny, wee communities. The churches are still there. But the vision of these people, because they wanted to see faith in their communities. And it's got nothing to do with the Presbyterians or any of the others that they're closing. It's, it's what's happening in our community. But I want to show you something. Selena just gave me this today. And I want to show you something of some of the sacrifice. This is a little box that was given to Selena. And these are handmade nails from the spire of the roof up here. Somebody took the time to fashion out all these nails. But they didn't have nail guns in those days. They fashioned these out. Somebody made that. That was their sacrifice for this place. Friends, this place has come at, the, at a cost of people, not just 150 years ago, but our dear Presbyterian friends, over the years. I want to tell you something. I was inspired to hear Gary say that, um, you know, it's taken them 20 years to get in there. When you get into a building, there is a battle that goes on. The enemy does not want us to take ground. He does not want us to have land and buildings. Because when you do that, our mission explodes. And we've been part of planting churches and and building buildings and all that sort of thing. It's it's a war that goes on. And I know that these guys have sort of felt, wow, this is full on. And, you know, we've been, we're we're in the process of trying to do something too. And a war happens. And it takes a lot of sacrifice. So we are standing in a holy place. That has had nails built, but it's had probably millions dollars of dollars have been donated over the years. Missions have been supported. People have come to know Jesus, and this is a holy place. And the dear Presbyterian friends have, have not said, let's make as much money as we can. Let's put up put up a whole block of houses. They've said, let's keep the mission going. Let's keep this place a holy place. Praise God for our <laughs> Presbyterian friends who... Really want um, the things of God. You know, um, when I first became National Director, I just had this thing on my heart. It just worried me that so few of our churches have buildings. Most of our churches are meeting in schools and community halls. And the sadness for that is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a school or a community hall, but it does, if anything goes wrong, it tends to be that it closes up and it's gone. And you lose so many opportunities for mission during the week. And I thought to myself, I reckon one of the reasons we're not, building, build, uh, we're not building or getting buildings is a lack of faith. We don't have the same faith that our Presbyterian forebears had when they said, let's just all join together. Let's just do what we can. Let's just make this thing happen. We're going to change this community. Let's, let's have a place that people can come to 24-7. And that's what they did. But to do that, it takes a step. And so I challenged, about two years ago, I challenged all our vineyard people, and I said, I challenge you to believe God that you can get a building. Wherever you're at, it's always a massive step of faith. You know, if you're in a small church, you know, a certain amount of million, it's a lot. If you're in a big church, 50 million's a lot. You know, our Presbyterians, I don't know how much they've spent, but it'll be a huge amount of money. It's always a big step of faith. And I challenged them. I said, just put it out there. Just say to people, we want to get a church. We want to expand our mission. We want to grow, because that's what God's called us for. And I actually took Lyndon aside, and he asked me to say this. I pulled him aside, and I said to him, Lyndon, you guys are the oldest vineyard church. And after 34 years, you're meeting in a community hall. He said, Oh, you don't realize how expensive property is up in up up in the Mahari. I mean, it's like it's expensive and it like it would just take a miracle. But I said, Lyndon, you don't have to pay for it yourself. I said, what you do is, I said, what you do is you just pray and say, God, is there any way that you could do this miracle? Put it out there and just see what happens. Because you never know what God is doing in other people's hearts. You just don't know what's happening. When I raised the vision for our building a few years ago I immediately had several people came up on the night and gave me checks for a hundred thousand dollars bang 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 there it all was and one guy said to me God had God spoke to me recently and he said this money here I want you to put it aside there's something very special I want you to do and I will let you know when the thing comes I'll say that's what it's for and as soon as I gave the vision somebody came up and said there it is Um, God told me, and here's the thing, you don't know what God's doing on people's hearts. You see, some people have the gift of making nails. Some people have the gift of making money, and that's a spiritual gift. Some people have, I came in yesterday, and there are people cleaning, and there are people painting, and there's people building, and there's people moving, and there's people doing amazing decoration. Everybody's got good gifts, and but when you put them all together, you can do powerful things together. And it was so inspiring. It was a metaphor for your church when I came in yesterday and saw the hive of activity. Look, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. It's everybody doing the thing that they do. And so I said to to Linda and I said, throw it. I said, you know, do you want to just be in a community hall for the rest of your life? He said, well, no, of course, we'd love to have a building. I said, well, you guys go and pray, see if it's God's will, and then speak it out in faith and see what God does. Do you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that a mustard seed. And Jesus said in Matthew 13 verse 31, he told the parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the year come and perch in its branches. See, God is always about growth, and it always starts with a seed of faith. One of my most precious mentors was Steve Hathaway's dad brian hathaway who was um in charge of the bible college principal of the bible college and he said to me one day when he came and preached at our church do you mind if i make a big mess and i said no go for it." i had no idea what he was going to do and while he was preaching he pulled out a bag of rice and he threw it all over the congregation everywhere just threw it everywhere and he said these are seeds He said, you are planting seeds. He said, everything you do, you're planting seeds. And the seeds are all going to come up and do something either for good or for bad. He said, imagine what happens if all of you plant seeds that are going to be seeds in the kingdom. I've never forgotten that because it took us ages to clean all the seeds up, (laughs) all the rice up. But but friends, what happened is when the vision was planted, it took hold in a whole number of hearts. Now, the, the finances are one thing. And that's a very, very important thing. But it's also the uh, the pastoral care, and it's also the, you know, how do we make this thing work, and are we going to come along, and are we going to support, and, you know, how, how are we going to do kids' church? Like, it takes a whole team. You can never do it as one person. You've got to be able to do it as a team. So God planted that seed in your church, and you guys have grabbed it. And you've said yes together together. As a team, as a body, we're going to do something different. Now, man, the the opportunities you've got here are massive. If you've got a building that you just use on a Sunday, that's all very well and good. But it's limited what you can do in the community. You can use this place 24-7. I mean, I understand you've already got all sorts of groups that are starting to come in and, and, and use it, and, and there are uh, some existing groups. And, and man, you're going to have, you're right in the heart of a, an even bigger community. People are going to see you. I mean, even the bell that was rung at 10 to, I mean, that's a, a bit of an awakening for people. It's saying, hey, something new is going on here, folks. And, friends, spiritually, that is powerful. Just the fact that you're walking in here today. we Where we are in the middle of Christchurch, there's a guy that owns a, an ITM right across the road, and he often comes up to me, Um, he's a lapsed presbyterian actually and uh, he uh, said oh i grew up in the in in church and um, that sort of thing but he said i don't go now but he said do you know what i love he said i look over at you guys and i see all the smiling faces and all the children and all the stuff uh, all the happy people and he said that really touches my heart he gives us his whole area for parking for free and he said i feel i'm doing something to help you guys to be able to do one wonderful things for the community can I just say just a few things? Church only works when we do it as a team. The word the Greek word for church is ecclesia. And ecclesia means a special team. It's a, it's a group that are called out for a special task. Like a city council. People that are, you know, come and they say, Right, it's our job to do this thing here. The all blacks are an ecclesia. They're a special group that have a very, very special task, a very important task. But they can only do it if they do it as a team. And I want to tell you something, Christianity is a team sport. You cannot effectively do it by yourself. There's a huge deception that's around now, um, and it's such an anti-Bible thing that, oh, it's just me and Jesus, I just do faith all by myself. And it's, it's the antithesis of the understanding of what Scripture is like. You know, this whole thing, oh, you know, I sort of belong to the sort of the big C body of Christ, but I'm not part of, you know, the family. That wasn't even heard of or understood in the times of Jesus. Jesus talked about the family being a body. And, uh, well, it was actually Paul. He said in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, the body's a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though the parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. In fact, Christ has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You know, you, what you have done here is massive teamwork that no one person could do. I mean, I've stepped in here today and there have been one group of people welcoming me as I come in, a whole separate group of people that have been doing the worship. Uh, there are people that are doing the kids' church and, and the crash and all those sorts of things. One person, Lyndon and Angela, couldn't do all that by themselves. It takes a team. The only way you will change the maharangi area is if you work as a team, which is what you're doing. But you realize, of course, you've got a massive problem, don't you? You're too, too, This building's too small already, isn't it? I mean, look at it, you're full, you're full. But you know what, that is a great thing, that is a wonderful thing for a whole bunch of reasons, because you're gonna be ha- able to have the opportunity to do mission in multiple different ways and to use the building to be able to do things in in different areas. I wouldn't be surprised if before long you're saying, hey, we could add some services on. And that's a wonderful thing. You don't need to go into a much larger building. Just have multiple communities that come in. Do you know what happened? When we got our building, um, we filled up quite quickly in our morning service, and people said, oh, the building's too small. And um, we just kept piling people in, and, like, it was very illegal. They were all over the entrances and things and one day the fire chief rang me up and he said to me i don't know how he heard but he said i hear that you're putting you know hundreds more people in than you're supposed to be he said that's fine you keep doing that but he said if anything happens i'll hold you personally responsible so from that sunday we started clicking clicking as people came in and when we got to our fire limit we had to put a a sign up saying church closed you know church full and um you know it's an interesting thing that the, the thing got around. You cannot get into Grace Vineyard Church. And other people say, What's oh, a great problem to have? Well, it was a great problem to have on one hand. On the other hand, it was terrible as people got angry and said, What do you mean the church is full? Would Jesus turn people away? I said, No, but the fire chief would turn people away. And so. You know, one of our leaders got really angry with me because he, said that he was in charge of the kids' church, and he came to me he said, this is utterly ridiculous. He said, there are too many kids for this place. What are we going to do? When are you going to stop this place growing? And I just sort of off the top of my head, I said to him, well, at what point do we close the doors and say the rest of you can just go to hell? Because that's literally what we do. You know, is it a wonderful thing that people want to come in and know Jesus? And that's what it should be about. It should be that we're filling up and then starting something new and then filling up and then starting something new. God bless the Presbyterians for having a vision to build a, a bigger place, even though it's taken 20 years. What a great vision that is to be able to say, you know, hey, you're not leaving us behind, you're not closing us up, we're going to build something bigger and we'll bless our building to someone else. But friends, uh, a growing church is a good thing to have. You know, there's this thing that goes around at the moment that growth is bad. Small is good, big is bad. And people say it all all the time. It's not about numbers, is it? Well, it depends what you mean about numbers. And I thought recently, you know, if you went out on a launch with all of your family, say you had 10 children and you went out and there was an accident, all your family fell overboard. And then somebody came up and said, hey, we've rescued some of your family. And you said, how many of my kids have you got? You wouldn't want them to say, well, it's not about numbers, is it? Aren't you just pleased we got some? No, I want to know exactly how many you got, you know, because they are my precious kids. When numbers represent people that Jesus loves, numbers are incredibly important. And friends, if, if your area here, Maharangi, is anything like Christchurch, which I'm sure it's a lot more holy than Christchurch, but I would imagine that probably 85% of people here don't know Jesus. And I would imagine that you guys have got a mission, not just on Sundays, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, giving people the opportunity to come in and find life. Do you know what? I'm I'm coming along to the end, but it was really lovely because um, – I didn't quite know where the church was, and Lyndon and Angela gave me some instructions. I came into town, and they said, it's up on the hill. And I looked around from the town, and right on the hill, there's the spire that pokes up. And I thought, wow, do you know what the Lord said to me? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And that's for you today. I'm actually going to read it here. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Friends, you, God has given you a position on a hill, not just physically, but spiritually. You, along with the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Anglicans and everybody, all of you together are the hope of Maharangi. You're the hope of Maharangi. You are the representation of Jesus in Maharangi. If if people want to find hope, if they want to find life, if they want to find Jesus, they come to one of the churches. They come to where the hope is. God has given you something special. And the lovely thing now is they can't just find you, they don't just find you on a Sunday, they can find you every day of the week. They know where to come. And I just know you guys are going to explode. I know mission's going to explode. And I want to challenge you. You've taken taken the seed and look what's happened, but God's going to be throwing out a lot more seeds. Believe for more of what God wants to do. And when will it stop? When will you stop growing? Well, when every last person in the Maharang area has come to know Jesus, that's when the mission mission is complete. And just remember, you don't realize it yet, but all those 34 years ago you planted seeds that are bearing fruition everywhere. I want to close with this thing. Jesus said you were the light of the world, but earlier on he actually described himself as the light of the world. At the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, What they used to do in Jesus' time, if you've ever been to Israel, the old temple was right up on top of the hill on top of Mount Moriah. In the Feast of Tabernacles, they'd have these massive big fire lamps that would light up, and they'd light up the whole area of Jerusalem. And at the time, they used to call it the light of the world because it was so bright. They had four big pillars. And it was to um, represent the fact that that, that God had led the children of Israel through the desert by pillars of fire. And the whole thing lit up. And the Bible tells us that just as the Feast of Tabernacles came to an end and all the lights went out for the last time, Jesus stood up and he said this, John 8 verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world if you follow me you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life and then Jesus delegated that to us and said you are the light of the world friends you have holy you've got holy spirit power that's in you and together you have this wonderful family that when people come in, they get to experience the power of God, the presence of God, the hope of God. They get to experience your wonderful worship, your healing, all the other things that you do because you are a family that's on a mission. May God bless you richly. And I honestly believe you're entering the most exciting chapter of the church. Thank you on behalf of the church for birthing us all but we just cannot wait to see what God does in the next chapter. May God bless you. Can I just ask you to stand, and let's just wait on the Holy Spirit for a few moments and just invite him to, to move amongst us. Father, what a precious day. Lord, this is a, a holy time. Lord, just as 150 years ago your faithful servants have given their finances, their gifts, their talents, and their abilities so that people would come to know you and encounter you in this beautiful community over these years, a baton has been handed over. The kingdom has expanded. And Lord, I pray blessing over this beautiful community body, this beautiful family, this beautiful team, and I pray, Lord, that together with their finances, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their passions, their enthusiasm, that they would make a massive mark, not just only here in uh, Maharangi, but across our nation and, and further across the world, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would bless them, and I pray that people will find their way to the top of the hill, that this would be a place of light, of transformation, of encountering Jesus, of healing. And all the missions that go on during the week, people who are lost, lonely, hurting, broken, people needing a touch from you and needing to be loved. I pray, Lord, that everyone that steps on this property would encounter you in one way or the other. And may your spirit be poured out. You know, I just got this strong thing this morning when I came in that I wanted to give an opportunity for people to make a decision to follow Jesus today. What a wonderful day to be able to decide to follow Jesus. Do you know what our whole mission is about? There is a dad in heaven that loves you, that cares about you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to come and find you on a search and rescue mission, to come looking for you. And so if you are lost, if you are lonely, if you are broken, if you are tied up in addictions and, and different things that hold you back, Jesus is the answer to set you free. You were designed to, to belong to your dad in heaven. And Jesus came and died on a cross for you so that you would be set free. And I want to give you an opportunity today. I don't know whether you do this here or not, but would you do something brave today? If you would like to say, yes, I'd love to give my heart to Jesus today. I'd love to follow him. Would you come and stand with me just up the front and I'd love to pray for you? I know that's a bold thing to do, but but we're a church and we celebrate it when people say, I want to belong to Jesus. Would you come and stand with me? And and also, if maybe you've given your heart to him in the past but you've fallen away or you're not sure where you stand or maybe you started out in the right direction and, and, and now you're just not sure where you are, God wants to welcome you home today. Is there anybody that would come and just stand with me today and say, yep, I'd love to be able to on this first day of a new church and a new place, say, yes, Jesus, I'd love to follow you. Anyone brave enough to do that? Anyone like to come and just stand with me? You would? Awesome. That's great. Just come and stand. That's cool. Just come and stand here. Look, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This is a naughty wee thing that I do. How would you like to turn to the person next to you and just say, would you like to come up? And if you go, I'll come up with you. Would you like to say that? Just invite them. Say, I'll come up with you. You know, it's bring a friend. You know that game where they say call a friend, phone a friend? Anyone else? You know, if you know that you need to just get your life right and you don't know how to do it, Jesus is reaching out for you to grab you and pull you close to him. I just know there are one or two others here today. God can transform your life the way no one else can. He will encounter you and he will change you. You may not even understand quite what you're doing, but is there anyone else here that would say, yes, I want to get my life right with God. I'd love to invite Jesus into my life. Anyone else? You know, what I'd love to do is um, I'm sure these people will pray. Is, is it one or two? Just, just you? Both? Both? Both. Okay. So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray a prayer and I'd love all of us to pray this prayer together, okay, so they don't feel embarrassed. We're all going to pray a prayer together. And praying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian, but what it does is it opens our hearts for God to do work and then they'll bring some explanation to it a little bit later. So I would love to just pray this prayer. And if you haven't had the courage to come forward, but you'd like to pray this for yourself as well, let's just do this. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you that you love me so much. I thank you that I am precious to you. My life counts. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to look for me, to find me, and to die on the cross for me. Lord, I give you my life today. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I receive your Holy Spirit now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give a hand clap to these people that have come forward? You know, the Bible says that when one person makes a decision for Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. Not just one suburb of heaven, but all the suburbs. The whole city rejoices when one person makes a decision for Jesus. Now, one last thing I want to do, and I realize we're just a tiny bit over time. I'm going to close the service, uh, or let Lyndon close the service. But as we do, I just, at the last second as I was getting out of my car at the airport in Christchurch, I put... Uh, into my bag, a little bottle of anointing oil, and I felt I'd love. To, there, there are some people I'd love to pray for for healing today. And so, um, if you would like to come up and be prayed for, not just by by me, but any of your team, I'd love to be able to pray for you today and just pray blessing or pray healing or whatever. God bless you. Let's eat some sausages together. Let's celebrate. And next time I come, you're going to be about six times larger than this, and I'm going to have to wait outside. The sign's going to say church full. No Christchurch people allowed.